if our listeners do nothing else today but go and listen to Mike Johnson's five or ten minute speech, as I think it's eight minutes, uh, as the as his first speech as Speaker of the House, you will not hear something scary or foreign or from some long long uh, long lost tribe. He is a uniter. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview. Welcome to Outstanding. I'm your host, Joseph Backholm, and you found the place where we have critical conversations about the news of the day and the ideas that shape us. After three weeks of stumbling around trying to figure it out, the House Republicans finally elected a new Speaker of the House. And to many people's surprise, the choice was Mike Johnson, a relatively unknown congressman from Louisiana. Now, there's one thing to know about Mike Johnson is that he's a Christian, like he's really a Christian. He's so Christian, in fact, that Christianity Today and Religion News Services seems to be worried about how Christian he is. Now, an article ran on October 26th titled, Evangelical Mike Johnson Raised Up as House Speaker. Now, raised up in that context was put in scare quotes in the title. The subtitle of the article reads, After weeks of jockeying in Congress, Republicans voted in the Bible-quoting Louisiana Southern Baptist, which seems to imply like that's something that we should be concerned about. Again, this is Religion News Service reporter published in Christianity Today. Now, the article begins by noting that Johnson, quote, peppered his marks with religious references, end quote, and also notes somewhat ominously that Johnson wrote several editorials while working for the Alliance Defending Freedom, where he, quote, decried homosexuality as inherently unnatural and dangerous lifestyle that could lead to the collapse of the entire democratic system. Now, as if to further raise concern about the new Speaker of the House, the article states that Johnson has repeatedly rejected many broadly held interpretations of the separation of church and state. How dare you reject a broadly held interpretation of anything, Speaker Johnson? And then it attempts to connect him to Lauren Bober, oddly. She's one of the more controversial members of the House uh, by saying that Oh, by the way, Bober also agrees with his position on the separation of church and state, which apparently we're supposed to believe somehow makes Mike Johnson all the more skeptical. Now, what in the world is going on here? It seems strange that a magazine titled Christianity Today would publish an article that seems so concerned that a real Christian is now the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Am I misunderstanding this entirely, or are some Christians skeptical of Christians in politics? Here to help me have this conversation is Jared Bridges, ed- editor-in-chief of The Washington Stand and Kenny Gonzalez, senior director of government affairs at Family Research Council. Gentlemen, thanks for your time today. Glad to be here. Hey, Joseph. Well, we're going to get into the meat of this, but before we do, I want to react to Mike Johnson as Speaker of the House. What do you think? Well, I think it um, is a it, it took a, an amount of time for the Republicans to 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 get this done, but I, I think we have in Mike Johnson one of the uh, I think is the you know we we haven't had someone as overtly evangelical um, as Mike Johnson is in this kind of position in a long time that, I mean, in, in my memory, which 
goes back probably further than the other two in this room um, is I, I can't think of, of of anyone that that has who would even so, compare to this. I mean, yeah, not Newt. Yeah, I mean, you had. I mean, uh, Bill Clinton was Southern Baptist, I think, but he wasn't a Southern Baptist. Like, but I'm not seriously, Baptist. right? I mean, yeah. and that's part of the issue here is I that think, he's serious about. it. I think when George W. Bush told people that his favorite book was the Bible. And he took religion seriously. Right. Yeah. That scared people to a similar degree. Yeah, and, and George Bush was a, a, a mainline uh, Methodist, you know, Christian. So, so it, I mean, I don't think he ever claimed the title evangelical. Uh, so, so this is it, it, it's alarming people, um, mostly on the left, um, as we've seen. Um, you, you just pick your favorite. Uh, leftist columnists, and they've been going apoplectic uh, over this. Yes. Yeah, it, it, correct. And, and that, it, to the surprise of no one, you would expect Vox and the New York Times and the Washington Post, we know that they're going to be apoplectic. Of course, no matter who the Republicans elected, it yeah. would have been some version of the American exactly. Taliban in their minds, and they would have been really unsettled by that. But they were caught off guard with this one, I think, because of, you know, they, they still had the slate of like nine candidates a couple of days before, and it and it, and it yes. kind of got whittled down. They, they didn't really know who whom to focus on. And and after his after his election, um, the most common response that I got from like people who casually but seriously follow politics is who in the world is Mike Johnson? So he really did come out of nowhere for a lot of people. Yeah, you, now, had, you had Senator Susan Collins Googling to see who he was. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that I loved about it is I've known Mike for, you know, he's been in our circles and spaces for a long time. So I was equally surprised, but mm -hmm. in as good a way as he could have been. Yeah, I've, I've tracked Mike Johnson's career since he was a state legislator uh, for my first 10 years here at Family Research Council. I worked with state legislators, so I know Mike Johnson from a long, long way back. I know some of his staff. Uh, I've had interactions with him. He's not unknown in the House of Representatives, obviously, because it took, what, three, four weeks to elect a speaker, and no one could yeah. get to the magic number of 217 or 218 to get a speaker. And yet Mike Johnson was elected by his fellow Republicans yeah. unanimously. And he held a leadership post. That's right. He held a leadership post, but he was elected unanimously, is my point. There was no block of Republicans who didn't like Mike or, or were anybody yeah. but Mike. Part of that is fatigue, but but the immediate his immediate predecessors in running for the speaker got nowhere close to yeah. enough votes. He got more than enough votes. He got 220, and there was one person who was absent who would have voted for him. He would yeah. have gotten 221. Yeah, and, and I honestly, I think— uh, the fact that there's all these kind of usual suspects um, and then Mike ends up emerging to be the Speaker of the House, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, kind of God exalts the humble. And you, you see that people like Mike Johnson. Not everybody agrees with him. And in a, in, in a political environment where a lot of people seem to run for office to just like elevate their social media profile and they say a lot of things on the floor in committees outside in their professional capacity just to basically like get clicks and get eyeballs because it benefits them in other ways mike johnson is not one of those guys which is one of the reasons that uh 
people hadn't heard of him because he's not trying to become a, a social media star. But it's also one of the reasons I think it's so refreshing is to me, this is a guy who's not doing this for himself. Now, I'm sure I could find an area of disagreement with Mike Johnson somewhere if we looked hard, but I just, he, he's just not a guy who is trying to be about Mike Johnson and he's not there to you know, be some kind of a something. He's there to serve. And there's a handful of people in Congress. That's the that's the case. So that's certainly my impression of him, which is why to me, it's super refreshing. But let's pivot because a part of what we want to talk about here is the reaction to this. And, and in the intro, I mentioned this article, uh, again, in to provide complete context for our audience, what we're talking about. This is an article written by a guy named Jack Johnson, who's a staff writer for Religious News Service. Jack Jenkins. Oh, I'm sorry. Jack Jenkins. Jack Johnson is the guitar player yeah. and singer. Yeah. Great musician. My apologies to Jack Johnson. But this is Jack Jenkins, who writes for Religious News Service. The article, as I encountered it, was published in Christianity Today. And do you guys, am I hallucinating when I read this article as like this lament that Republicans elected somebody so serious about their faith? I don't know if it's a lament so much as, uh, you know, a, a National Geographic article about a long lost tribe, uh, something <laughs> called an evangelical, uh, people who take the Bible seriously. I think my favorite line in the article in Christianity Today may be that he has been tied to several Baptist churches. <laughs> I don't know if he's been tied up and burned at the stake at several Baptist churches. I've been to Baptist churches, <laughs> and been... church politics can be really rough. You've or, never been tied up. He was Baptist tied church. to them. I've never been tied to a Baptist church myself. I'll just put that out there. So I speak from a place of ignorance. But it sounds like he had been tied to terrorist groups or something. It was bizarre to read that anywhere. Because he'd moved a few times, so he'd been members of different churches. Well, he's a congressman, and so perhaps he's moved around between Washington and Louisiana at the very least. But even even if he had been tied to several churches, you would think that people understand church membership and moving from one place to the next. And there was no follow-up. There was no, oh, we talked to his churches and he was an absent figure, or... I don't, I don't even know what that meant. What are we insinuating, that Mike Johnson had the temerity to be part of more than one church? Yeah, it's a great and, – and that that is one of many examples. And I mentioned another one in the article um, where it mentions the fact that he disagrees with let – me, let, me, let me find the – make sure the quote. It said, Johnson has repeatedly rejected – many broadly held interpretations of the separation of church and state. So another problem, apparently, he was tied to many Baptist churches. Mm -hmm. He disagrees, repeatedly rejects broadly held interpretations. So because something is broadly held, you're apparently morally, perhaps theologically obligated to well, just well, abide. Well, and, and when you dig into what he disagreed with, it's this common idea today that the separation of church and faith means— that our faith should have nothing to do with politics, that if public policy is in any way informed, Joseph, by faith, by anyone's faith, well, by some people's faith at least, then that's a bad thing. Uh, we only hear this accusation, by the way, on the right, and we only hear it directed toward people who have an apparently sincerely held faith. Uh, it is not uncommon. As a, as a matter of fact, it would be very extraordinary if a president or a presidential candidate of any stripe 
uh, went through an entire campaign or an entire presidency and never referenced his or her faith. Uh, famously, Hillary Clinton hired uh, personnel for her God outreach, right? She wanted to reach the crowd. I don't know how well she did. Joe Biden references faith in, in I don't know, every other speech. Uh, so it's only people of a certain stripe that scare people if they refer to their faith in any way. But this idea that the broadly held conception of the separation of church and faith is somehow accurate because it's broadly held is hilarious. In, in historical context, the separation of church and state meant that the government could not persecute a church or establish yeah. a state religion. That's what the what the separation of church and state was originally conceived of. Not in the Constitution, not in the Declaration of Independence, but in a presidential letter to a congregation that was worried that because they were a religious minority in their state, that the new federal government would establish a church, a a state religion, and that they would be on the outs. That's where the idea of the separation of church and state came from, is is protecting minority faiths from uh, a state-established religion that would drive them out. And to agree with that, there's the way that it's the framing. It's I mean, this is a real debate that people have about the proper role of the state and the church. And we're going to continue to get into that. But the framing of this, like not a recognize you, you could say Mike Johnson believes that his faith propels him to serve the public and that this is an outworking of his faith. That's one way perhaps a positive way that you might expect a Christian outlet to spin Mike Johnson's worldview and what he's doing and how he sees himself instead of this much more ominous that he rejects many broadly held interpretations about the separation of church and state. Because I do think a lot on the left, are they're, they're always trying to create a version of the American Taliban. I just don't yeah, expect Well, it. Before, before that, they... For this article pointed that out, it, it points out the fact that he decri- – according to CNN, okay, according yes. to CNN, he decried homosexuality as, quote, inherently unnatural and a dangerous lifestyle. So both, – Both very easy to defend as a factual matter. Well, and – but but again, as Kana mentioned earlier, it's, it's like you know, you're you're looking at this – you know, they might as well be Amish. Um, it's this, this foreign alien nature that um, – and, and, and I agree. Like there, there are people in, in – you know, if you look at uh, Charles Murray's work, the, the social scientist um, coming apart that kind of shows the kind of the differences in, in the, in the American – America is really multiple Americas where people live in their own bubbles. Mm-hmm. And one of those bubbles is the big cities like the one we're sitting in today. But there are, are people who don't – you know, they may not know an evangelical Christian. You know, they don't right. know – they couldn't tell you a single NASCAR driver. They couldn't – you know, there, there are large swaths of, of people who just – there are things that they don't deal with in their minds and, and – Christianity is is one of them for some people, but the strange thing is is that you would expect that for a New York Times audience. Right. You would expect that for um, other places. Why did Christianity Today choose this article to reach their audience? Unless they maybe they know their audience. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I think there's something telling in the phrase uh, broadly accepted or broadly acceptable. 
uh, broadly interpreted. Uh, this idea that there's a majority view and then there's a minority report, and the minority report is wrong. I think Christians in public life are broadly, if I can borrow that term for a moment from Christianity Today in the New York Times, uh, are broadly acceptable in certain circles, in certain elite circles, as long as they toe the party line. And I think this comes up indirectly in this Christianity Today article. Um, and we should be clear, I think you said, Joseph, at the beginning, that this was written by uh, the relig- uh, reporter for the Religion News Service who Christianity Today has used in the past and was picked up by Christianity Today. But it is it is notable because it was the first out-of-the-gate coverage by Christianity Today, a magazine founded by Carl F.H. Henry, of all people, to describe, as you said, Jared, probably our first overtly, outwardly, um, clearly evangelical, self-professedly evangelical Speaker of the House, um, who dares to buck the party line. And I think that's the problem, is that he dares to go against the grain. Because if you're the New York Times, there is a certain brand of evangelical that you like. You might even hire him as a columnist. Mm-hmm. And and like Mike Johnson, he may have even worked for a large, uh, 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 very successful uh, religious liberty uh, firm called Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, and so it really doesn't seem to me that working for ADF or holding uh, conservative biblical views is the problem as long as they are broadly acceptable. That seems to be, that seems to be the, the, the litmus test here. And so, yes, Joseph, it is surprising and a little startling, even to those of us who have who've been observing this trend in uh, Christianity Today and other publications uh, for a very long time, uh, for the last 15, 20 years, um, uh, that they would they would observe Mike Johnson's devotion to Scripture and a commitment to walk out his leadership of the House uh, in such a clearly Christian, Bible-informed way. His speech, if, if our listeners do nothing else today— but go and listen to Mike Johnson's five or ten minute speech, as I think it's eight minutes, uh, as the as his first speech as Speaker of the House. You will not hear something scary or foreign or from some long long uh, long lost tribe. He is a uniter. He was calling out Democrats who had served with him in the House of Representatives, commendingly, and calling us all to uh, to serve God to the best of our ability, to make our parents proud, to make our children and our spouses proud of the work that we do. He was calling Congress to elevate its work, all on the basis, clearly, of his own faith, which he worked into the speech, but not in some sort of exclusionary way or some weird way. It was a very normal speech. As a matter of fact, if you listen to the speech before it uh, by the by the minority leader, uh, Jeffries, uh, who leads the Democrats, his was a very political speech and sort of a, a typical speech. He, he scored some zingers. He made some points. He got a lot of applause lines. Um, Mike Johnson called the House to order and called the House to order in more than just the sense of being the Speaker of the House. He was calling his fellow congressmen to answer a higher call of devotion to country and service to God in a way that was not exclusive but was very inclusive. And it seemed to me a shame that what was once the flagship magazine 
of evangelicalism missed the opportunity and instead treated him as if he were some foreigner from some far-off place speaking language we don't fully understand but is very With extremist views. With extremist views and ties, I might add, to several Baptist churches. (laughs) (laughs) And I also mentioned that in the title, which reads, Evangelical Mike Johnson raised up as House Speaker in book raised up in quotes. It's kind of quotes and it's scare quotes. It's quotes because that's how Mike Johnson referred to in his speech, the idea that we have been raised up. And this is a very um, normal Christian doctrine, the idea that God puts people in places of leadership for a particular purpose, time, and reason. And that includes, read through the the story of scripture, a lot of leaders that we wouldn't say, oh, these are righteous guys, but God uses them for his purposes. Why is that the concept when said by a Christian about leadership received by a Christian audience as something that's problematic. I think it caught a lot of eyes because it was included in the headline in Christianity Today. And to be fair, um, I've written for outlets, you've written for outlets, you've written, we've all written. We don't pick our headlines. Very often that's an editorial approach. And there have been some questions recently about the editorial approach at Christianity Today. But leaving that aside, to to grab that phrase in a vacuum and sort of put it into the headline without really – it it lent itself to being misunderstood. If you read the article, to his credit – the author um, included a wider quote, but I want to actually quote from what Mike Johnson actually said in his speech. He, Mike Johnson said in his very first speech, I don't believe there are any coincidences in a manner like this. I believe that scripture, the Bible, is very clear that God is the one who raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. Mike is addressing Congress. And I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. This is my belief. I believe that each one of us has a huge responsibility today to use the gifts that God has given us to serve the extraordinary people of this great country, and they deserve it, and to ensure that our republic remains standing as the great beacon of light and hope and freedom in a world that desperately needs it. This is not the statement of a self-aggrandizing man who is out for power and believes that God has ordained him and that he's going to rule a theocracy. This is the clear statement of a servant leader. And he is known as a servant leader by his fellow Republicans because when they were nominating him and and, and voting for him on the House floor, several people interjected that they were voting not just for Mike Johnson, but they were voting for servant leader Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson has a reputation in the House of Representatives. It's sad that he does not yet have a positive reputation with the editors of Christianity Today. Yeah, and and you know this this article kind of follows the the standard fare of a of a news article where you know you give the you give you lead with the facts and then you 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 throw in some supporters and then you throw in the detractors. I think the balance of this article seems to be seems to be uh, the pointing out the detractions, and I mean that and that leads you know one to to wonder. You know, if these are, and I, I don't even know if they use the word extreme in this article or not, but the, the, it's characterized as these are extreme, 
beliefs. And, you know, where does um, belief in a dead man walking out of a grave, when does that become extreme? For Christians, yeah, I guess you got to define extreme. But I mean, mean, well, we know, Jared, that that's not broadly held. I mean, I mean, right, right. I think your point is that our faith is is based on extreme. Right, it is, it is. I mean, and 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 yes, the the and and I love I I love his his quote um, to to Sean Hannity. Um, that, that Mike John- Speaker Johnson gave, he, he said, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's my worldview. That's what I believe, and I make no apologies for it. So, you know, you go pick up a Bible and and read it. Now, you can either discard the things you don't like, a la Thomas Jefferson, or you can come to terms and shape your life around the 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 words of life that are that are given there. And sometimes, sometimes we don't like what's in Scripture, but it, it is truth. And and being able to to adapt ourselves to that truth and and reshape ourselves based on that truth um, is you know that's the Christian life is being shaped by the Word of God. Um, and it's not just taking things that seem extreme or, or, or will, not, um, will not make you acceptable in the pages of the New York Times or of Christianity Today. Um, you can't discard those things. So, and so I applaud Mike Johnson for, you know, this is, this is my worldview, yeah. the Bible, and, and holding that. And he's unashamed about it. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, one of the things that's unsettling uh, for, for people is that he's not being timid. He's not making any excuses. He's not like saying it quietly. Yeah, but kind of it's just that's who I am and I make no apologies for it. And I think that kind of confidence in something is part of what's uh, unsettling. But I also I, – more broadly, and I think this brings up a question about people in the church, those who identify as Christians – who still don't really want a significant Christian influence in the culture. And is that a fair characterization of a sentiment uh, where they would say that the, I think the, and what I'm referring to is perhaps what's behind the decision to publish this is, yeah, we're Christians, but we don't want to like do much about it. We're going to kind of mostly keep that private we're not going to try to make anybody else, you know, do anything differently. We're not going to, you know, be crazy. We're going to be our Christians, but we'll mostly stay to our churches and stay to ourselves and our potlucks and let you guys kind of do whatever you want to do and, and, and not interfere. Is that a mischaracterization um, of, of kind of part of how the church views what our role is? And, and if so, what's the response to that? I think there's there's some of that there, and and, I, and I've talked to people who 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 don't want they don't want politics to become the stumbling block for um, expressing their faith to someone or or or, or sharing the gospel to someone. So, yeah, and I would agree with that. And, and so, yeah, so we you know we don't want to say you got to be a Republican to be a Christian, um, or or you know some something like that, or, or you know Christianity is. Not Republican or Democrat, as as Which is of course true. Made for yes, but 
but and I, and I think that you know there's there are good sentiments behind those, but to to say that that the the gospel does not affect politics. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I've I've done mission work in the former Soviet Union. I, I came to see that very quickly. Um, politics does affect people, right? And, and let me ask you this way: maybe a reframe. Why is the church? Why can we not be like uniformly, universally enthusiastic about somebody whose entire life demonstrates real faith? Like I, I don't just go to church sometimes and do this to yeah. politics. Like I really believe the Bible, and I've done everything I know how to shape my life around the Bible. Why is that not met with like universal excitement, or from at least the hope, or at least hope, right? Right. Or at least being yeah. hopeful. That's right. Why are there people? who identify as Christians, who look at that scenario and they're like, oh, no. Maybe it's, I, I don't know, it's, 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 it's hard to project. It's, you, you don't want to uh, assume motives. But if, I'll just uh, posit that if, if your entire engagement with issues of public policy, with culture, with society, has been predicated on this idea that not only do you not want your personal faith, or I'm sorry, your personal politics to be a stumbling block to sharing your faith with others, but that we have to be so winsome in the way that we share our faith that if there's anything that we share or, or, or articulate or express or advocate that is in any way, in any way counter to the current zeitgeist and might quote unquote turn people off, that that is that's almost now the original sin, right? That That's the one thing you may not do is offend. Yeah. Then for someone who carries a Bible with him, uh, there was a recent uh, social media post unrelated to his faith in which Mike Johnson's Bible is visible. And gentlemen, his Bible is very well worn. You can tell the man has handled that Bible. Uh, there are notes sticking out of it. There are sermon notes. There are Bible study notes. You can. Here's a man who knows his Bible and uses it. And I think... I think the the sort of intuitive uh, recoil from him and from a a, a um, guileless statement such as the one you just recounted, Jared, when he said, "If you want to understand, if you want to know what I think about public policy, open up a Bible and read it." I don't know that some Christians want people to open up the Bible and read it. I think they're afraid that people will misunderstand the Bible, perhaps. Or that, at the very least, someone who is sincerely and guilelessly Christian might give people the wrong impression. And so if you're working very hard to uphold a certain—to um, create a certain impression of evangelical right. Christians who can get along with the culture and have enough commonality with the culture to sort of win a hearing, that it scares you when someone says— I believe the Bible. So I believe people, what's in it. People, it's yeah. kind of a branding problem for people. Is that I want? I want to be the kind of Christian that yeah. that n- thinks nobody ever judges you, and that guy has opinions, and I don't want to be lo- looped yeah. in with him. And, and the problem is, is no matter how likable you make yourself, or you make the Christian, faith, and Mike Johnson very it, it, clearly is. That's yeah, why you got to learn, and that's good. But but it's still you still got to get to the dead guy walking out of the grave mm-hmm. and is alive now mm-hmm. problem 
Yeah. I mean, and, and that's that's what it ultimately comes down to. That is going to be a stumbling block for someone if yeah. you know you what whatever your view of God and government yeah. is. And the reason he had to die and then walk out of the grave is because it's, of sin. Yeah. And what is exactly. sin? Well, Sin means I can't do whatever I want to do, and some of the things that I want to do, right. I shouldn't do. And if I do them, I'm going to be held responsible for them, so I can't follow my feelings in my heart. And then that right. requires so, me to— So the house of cards is going to come down at some point with, with that, when, when, when a person has to face that truth that they're a sinner, they're in need of redemption from that sin, and that Christ is the only, only way um, to have yeah. that sin um, taken care of is—, is that, that's yeah. the harsh reality. On the flip side, what an opportunity to have someone known as a servant leader. We can watch this man. And by the way, fellow believers listening, we should be praying every Amen. day for this man, every day, for his life, for his marriage, for his children, for his ministry. And for others who are in authority, by and the way, not just Mike Johnson. The Bible right. commands us to do that. <laughs> well, but carry on. Well, you know, because God told us to pray for the Speaker of the House and no one else, right? According <laughs> to this. But, but absolutely, Joseph. But beyond that, we have an opportunity to draw out. I believe we will have opportunities because I've observed Mike Johnson's career now for the last eight or nine years. I think we are going to have an opportunity to, to point out examples of servant leadership in the way he leads, in the way that he tries to broker some of the very difficult conversations that are happening on the Hill amongst Republicans right now. The reason Republicans have been so paralyzed is in part because they are at odds about how to lead the country. And so when we see someone who claims God, believes the Bible, and wants to lead as a servant, when he does that well, that gives us opportunity to point that out to folks and say, this is what animates or should animate a Christian entering into any realm of leadership, whether it's business or the home or higher ed or politics or public policy. Our heart is to see people thrive. We want to see the nation flourish. We are praying for the good of the city. We are, we are putting down roots and working within the system redemptively. We don't have any—we shouldn't have— any uh, misgivings or misnomers that we're going to somehow bring the kingdom of God uh, by electing an evangelical speaker of the house. It's not how life works. Um, That's not how God apparently has designed life to work. But when we see someone who willingly puts his name forward and steps into this role, we not only should be praying for him and for his success— as an example of godly leadership, but we should be looking for examples that we can share with others of what he's doing well so that we can say this is what servant leadership looks like. And if we look at someone else's fervor and want to distance ourselves from it, um, perhaps we should be praying for God to change our hearts rather than theirs. Uh, There is no version of the gospel that comes without judgment. Now, There is also no version of the gospel that comes without redemption and grace and forgiveness and all of those things, but it begins with the sin problem. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't like Mike Johnson because, and we, you know, the things he said about homosexuality while at ADF in those editorials, that is troublesome to people. But from a gospel perspective, it is also unambiguously true. Yeah. And the gospel can't be true. The good news can't be true without the bad news, recognizing how we are fallen. And does the world interpret that as judgmental? 
100%. Yeah. But is it also true? And is it the repent and believe is the beginning of, uh, of the gospel? I would rather tell the truth today and be perceived as judgmental than to stand shoulder to shoulder with my friends and family who are not believers on the day of judgment and have them turn to me and say, why did you never confront me with the truth? We need to be confronted with the truth if we are to love well. Yeah. So it's a question we can ask ourselves if, if we're bothered by Mike Johnson and, and the ilk or, or not, um, that just understanding why that is. And, and maybe if somebody else's faith is bothering us, we need to at least consider the possibility that we're the problem, not them. But that's something that only God and the Holy Spirit can do in us. Well, as, as scary as I find your zeal, Joseph, I find little to disagree with you there. Well, exactly. you're not the first one. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Uh, thanks for being here. This is an important conversation. And of course, this is just a snapshot of a much larger, larger yeah. conversation that we're having in the church. And, and if you want to read that. other coverage of yeah. the Speaker Mike Johnson, read it on the Washington Stand. WashingtonStand.com. Gentlemen, thanks for your time. And friends, thank you for joining, for listening in. It's always a pleasure to have you. Remember, new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Subscribe wherever you have found us today. Make sure you give us a five-star review because that helps us reach more people. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to argue with me or suggest a topic, you can do that at email me at outstanding at WashingtonStand.com. Been my pleasure. As always, look forward to next time. My name is Joseph Backholm, and this has been Outstanding. Outstanding is a production of The Washington Stand, where you can find news and commentary from a biblical worldview.